It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Coming up on episode number 77 of the Night Talker, I am taking a break from the usual shenanigans because it is another casual Friday, and I welcome my friends Tom McKay and Camilla McKay back onto the show. I am Trey Elling. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Courtesy Wave and do the same for ESPN Austin at 1027 ESPN. Tom, Camilla, how are we doing today? Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Amazing. Been a good uh, week so amazing. far? It's been a tiring week, but busy I'm week. here and I'm excited and I'm happy to be here. Tom, busy week, you said? Busy, busy week. Busy week. All work, no play? All, all work, no play. Well, watched a lot of baseball, but that's late, late, late. I do that after 10 o'clock. Are you recording the baseball, like the Astros games, or are you just I watching highlights? I usually record highlights? two or three a night. Yeah, Two or three different games a night, and you yeah. just blow through them? Yeah. Baseball has become much more palatable this year, and I know you're a baseball fan in general, but the fact that these games are going two to two and a half hours now is much better for the average fan. With taking out the commercials and everything, with the pitch clock the way it is, mm-hmm. it's really awesome. Is there? It's an hour and 15 minutes. You're done with the game. Oh, if you're it just is, blowing through commercial breaks and yeah, whatnot? Yeah, it's so, and in between innings, you just, Blow off the in-between inning talk and mm-hmm. go right to it's hour and 15 minutes. You go through a game. That's how long it's actually on the field. And it is sweet. I mean, you can watch three games. It's mm. kind of, I like to keep up with all the different teams. The team that I had preseason picked to win it all is making its climb after everybody was laughing at me for a while because I do my preseason pick in hockey and baseball mm-hmm. every year with the computer. And Who'd you pick? Toronto Blue Jays, mm. who are now in almost tied with Tampa Bay for second place. They're moving up. Baltimore is past Tampa Bay. That's probably will change before this actually gets broadcast, but um, because <laughs> that division's so tight. But Tampa, I mean, Toronto's moving right on up, and everybody's healthy there finally. So, oh, yeah, it's looking like, oh, Toronto just might do it. Rangers just helped Toronto out with a midweek sweep of, of Tampa the race. Bay. Yeah. Yeah, the Rangers are, uh, you know, they haven't hit their fold yet. That's cool. They probably will just because they don't have enough pitching. But well, that's because of the Rangers. Well, that too. But credit to Chris Young for coming in as GM and making some smart moves, starting with hiring Bruce Bochy, one of the all-time great managers in the game. They're actually really good this year. I just, I like the Astros. So. Oh, I get it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a Rangers fan. I, I'm rooting against the Rangers 100%. Trust me. <laughs> that's what rivalries are all about. Yes, I don't root for Oklahoma when they're not playing Texas. I root against Oklahoma at all times. There you go. Now, I was rooting for them to beat Tampa Bay, though, because I, I just like to see the preseason picks, even though it doesn't make any real difference to me in the world. But it's it's nice to see that the computer's right. Mm-hmm. I'd love to take credit for all these picks that I make, but it's just numbers. So, Camilla, you're still teaching little kids how to act and be a part of a play? Well, so I was a choreographer for like the 9 to 12 year olds, but this is my last session and I'm actually like an assistant teacher slash like demonstrator um, with like the main woman that runs the camp, Miss Jessie. And so she runs a dance intensive. Mm. And so it's just two weeks of dance. And so they're learning 18 pieces in less than two weeks and they're going to perform them. It's like a 45 minute show of all different like styles and stuff. So do you like teaching? No, I well, like I, I don't like teaching because like it involves children. Yeah, it involves children. But a lot of times I feel like, I don't know, like I feel like a lot of kids like lack confidence right now. Yeah. And so like seeing people like not be able to go out there and like go for it and stuff, it's kind of like disheartening and like. Even my dance teacher today was telling me that she was like, it's just so disheartening to like see these kids like scared to even like take a step or like do anything. And I'm like, yeah, like this is crazy that they don't feel comfortable, you know, 
to express that or even like try. Um, but yeah, being a teacher is hard. And like, I admire teachers always. Like I've always mm-hmm. admired teachers, but just like the summer especially showed me like what teachers right now are like experiencing. And it's kind of crazy. So you've been acting for a long time, like going back to your childhood, literally. Correctly. Yeah. Do you still get nervous before you take the stage, whether it is performing something new or maybe it's the last night of a musical? Yeah. You no, do- I get nervous every single time I go yeah. on stage because I was like, I was told when I was a very young performer that being nervous means that you care. And Absolutely. so I've always taken it as that, like you can be excited, but excitement can be fueled by ego a lot of the time too, if you're not careful. And if you get too comfortable, cause there's a difference between like not being comfortable, but being too comfortable, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I definitely always get nervous because I want everyone to be, I want everyone that sees me to like feel something, but I want the people that have already seen me to be impressed. Like I want to keep impressing. So it's like a standard I hold myself to, I guess. Yeah. And too comfortable can yeah. quickly become complacency. Absolutely. Yeah. Which means that you really start dropping the ball with the stuff that you need to stay dialed in at on yeah. a week to week or day to day basis. So is there something that you do pre-show to help calm the nerves, whether breathing exercises or affirmations that you're repeating to yourself? Yeah, no, I love um, just breathing, like closing my eyes. I have, um, it's not a humidifier, but it's, you know, those like personal um, mm. yeah, yeah. The, like that create the humidity and you put your mouth yeah. up to it and you just like kind of inhale and it's always like a nice, like just like breathing in and breathing out. And I always imagine, um, like, you know, breathing in the positive, breathing out the negative. Like that's always like something that's super helpful for me, I guess. So it's not even like incense or anything. It's literally hot air that you're breathing, breathing in. Yeah. To, it's also like warming up my cords and it's making sure that my voice doesn't go dry. So it gives Makes me sense. more like confidence, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah. And I think just always knowing that no matter what, I have to go out on stage. So like at the end of the day, I can be really scared and really nervous about it. Or I can tell myself, Hey, go like, can wait, go kill this. I don't know if I can curse. That was scary. I almost cursed. I was like, you can cuss. Yeah. We're oh, okay. Recording this. okay. I'll tell people right now. We're recording this on <laughs> Thursday night. We're playing it on a Friday. You hear bleeps on this show from time to time. Cause I like to record the interviews early to let people speak how they want to speak. Yeah. So you want to no. say, F- you say, F- you want to say, F- you say, F- <laughs> No, yeah, like, that's the reason, though, is that I always, I'm backstage, and even if I'm nervous, I'm like, okay, I can either, like, pee my pants and be nervous back here and be a coward, or I can, like, go on stage and do it, you know what I mean? (laughs) And so, and then I always choose the latter, because that's what pays off in the end, you know? So it's basically just telling myself, like, there's no, like, there's no turning back if you've put in this much work, because that's where, when it pays off. It's a healthy attitude. Tom, you don't get nervous at much. Is there anything that you do get those butterflies for? Heights, still. Okay. Like when we go back, zip back to the oh fear my God. from a couple weeks. We just oh. had to change our air filters, and it was. And we had That's to get going the up ladder. on the ladder. That little we had bit. to get yeah. the ladder up, mm-hmm. and he got up there, and I went, "Okay, get down, get down." I said, "I'll oh, do it." I was like, "Sorry," I was like, oh. Like, I was like, Don't I'm make him believe them all. Come no, on. No, I know, I know. But I was like, well, because I was so mad. I was like, I knew this would happen. I didn't want to do this, yeah. and then I did it, and I had to get up there, and I hated it, but it was fine. We did it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I get nervous get doing that. It just, I don't know why. It's, it's foolish, but it's just the way it is. It's something that I have never overcome, and some reason I just can't seem to get over it. Is there a fall in your past? Yeah, yeah, off of a ladder. What? Like the top rung of a twelve foot ladder. Oh gosh, onto concrete. That's a nightmare. You're onto back. A- Backwards, yeah. How long ago was this? That was uh, like th- probably third or fourth year we were in business, so that would have been back around ninety one. Okay, like that. yeah, it was. You guys started in eighty eight. Yeah, it was. It was. It was. Uh, it was scary, but it was 
one of those things, you know, where you're just lay there on your back thinking, well, I broke my back or something. And you just kind of start moving appendages a little bit here and there, seeing if things are working. And then it ended up nothing was wrong. I didn't even hurt myself, but it was still that fear of, okay, now if this happens again, something might happen. Right. And I don't know. I, I think that's really, I was always afraid of heights, but that made it where it just got petrified from that time on. Yeah, that's where that fear is realized. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, this does hurt like I thought it would. Mm. Well, and that's still the strange thing because it still didn't hurt. That's, oh, that's right. That's the you problem. Have the, the superhero so power you, where you don't feel pain. When you, when you land and you think, because all you can think to yourself is, I have to try to move stuff to find out what's broken, what won't work. Yeah. Because even when you know, I had shoulders out of the socket and they still work, but you know, okay, it's way bigger than it's supposed to be because it's swelled up so fast and there's a, you know, the ball joint of your shoulder is outside of the socket. And you, so you're looking at it going, there's something wrong there. So I probably should go to the hospital, but <laughs> I really don't want to go to the hospital because they're going to say something's wrong. And I just hate having anything wrong. So when you land on your back, you just kind of, you know, you the back breaking is, that's a scare to me. The, the neck and the back still scare me. Anything else, man, eh, big deal. It'll heal fast, but neck and back, they, they don't heal. He is Tom McKay, owner and operator of Audiovisual Consultations, avconsultations.com, 255-8678. She is Camilla McKay, Tom's daughter and a rock star in her own right. Coming up, we're going to get into their personas just a little bit more. And in Tom's case, his past, that would be spending some time in jail in the mid-1980s. What the hell was that like? This is the Night Talker here on 1027 ESPN. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Back on a casual Friday here on the Night Talker with my friends Tom and Camilla McKay. Tom, of course, is the owner and operator of Audiovisual Consultations, avconsultations.com for all those home theater needs. And Tom, we went into the commercial break previewing (laughs) something that we had talked about a few weeks ago, but I didn't delve too deeply, but we're going to do that right now. And that has to do with you going to jail and spending a significant amount of time in jail in the mid-1980s. So first of all, just as a reminder to folks, what exactly did you do to land yourself in jail? I drank a lot. I had, uh, used to be a drunk. So, uh, me too. Five DWIs in a two and a half year period. The kind of, the fifth one was the one that broke the judge's, you know, sense of humor. That'll do it. And... So that one was spent a lot of. I mean, we spent a lot of nights in jail. Now I'm gonna. We did the shout out night. The shout out to all my Jesuit brothers from Dallas out there. If you guys are hearing this at all, because uh, you guys spent a lot of nights in jail with me during high school. So we all know how to get out of those. But didn't get out of the DWI one after high school. So fifth DWI, you get rung up, and they're like, "We're not gonna put you on probation anymore. You actually need to spend some time thinking about this in the clink." They gave me an option. It was funny, as he said, the judge and. It was, I was already running beer joints. And so it was like, okay, I, I know what free time is and what money is and everything. And he said, beer joints. Yeah. Hole in the wall beer joints oh, in Dallas. I see. Yeah. I see. Um, and they were true blue hole in the wall beer joints. So they were, they were the, you know, old garage with no AC kind of places. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, fun places. Illegal spots, speakeasies. Yeah. But they were, they were, and they were right there, you know, like central expressway stuff. And I mean, right there in the heart of everything. But it was funny, the um, yeah, the judge actually said that I could either 
go into the army mm. or he would give me four years in jail. And I said, well, I'm not going into the army. <laughs> and the jails, of course, in 1980, that was 85. And they were so crowded that you, they were already doing two for one is what they called it. Where if you got yeah. four years, you're going to get two years. I was literally about to ask. And, that. and so I said, I'll, I'll do the jail time. I'm done. I've got, I've got to do something with my life different. So I'll just take the jail time and get this all over with. I'm not doing anything else. So, so. you spent two years in jail. One year and six months. They gave six months more off because I assisted, which was always funny that they call it that, assisted in the kitchen. Assisted how? You know, Slapping like, mayo on the bologna sandwiches yeah, that they're you, serving you every day? Cook the big vat of mashed potatoes and stuff like that, yeah. So that, that one, you, one day a week, and they knocked six months off. So that gave you access to a little bit of extra food on that day, then? Uh, yeah, there was plenty of food. Okay. That was, ne- that was never the real issue in jail. So um, were you in a cell with somebody else, then? We were in a, you have a common area, and then you have eight cells off of that common area. So when you go actually to sleep, you go in your own cell. And they do make you go at a certain time. So even if you're going to sleep or not, you know, you just lay there and lights out and all that kind of stuff. It's not prison, but it's very similar. To, it was Lou Starrett Jail in Dallas, which oh, if yeah. you see the building, it looks like a prison. It does look like a prison. And, I spent a night there, actually. Got but you don't have to deal outside with... Outside of a Dave Matthews band concert, <laughs> getting alcohol to minors. Yeah, the drunk tanks there are, the drunk tanks like there are down on the first floor. You know, they're okay. But they uh, when you get up into the top floors, it's a little different. But it's... Uh, it was it was always interesting because they had you know you're not going to have murderers no. in a jail they they get put in as holding to get to prison only right. and you don't have you don't have the real violent crimes it's, it's still going to have the burglary of the habitations and stuff like that and like if somebody harmed a child they might be in there and if if that's the case if either one of those two things happened those guys were going to be in solitary pretty quick because they were getting beat that night by as soon as somebody found out they did one of those two things they were getting beat up because. Even criminals don't like those type of criminals. Yeah, I've heard that. And um, if you have committed violence against the elderly, that also gets you a good ass in jail. Too. Children yeah. and the elderly. Yeah. Burglar of, of a habitation, I think as most of them are like, well, that could have been my wife or child in that house, you know. Uh, I mean, they're, they understand the what the criminals are. Okay. And so those kind of people you didn't have to deal with for any length of time. Most of them were drunks and... Uh, People who didn't pay child support were there forever, which was hilarious to me because how are they going to pay child support if they're mm-hmm. in jail? And they get put in there indefinitely until they pay the child support. So there was guys that were in there for six, seven years. And I'm thinking, you can never pay. You're stuck here for the rest of your life. That's utterly ridiculous, but that's what they did. So that's fine. And it was no fun. So what um, you're saying real quick is that you didn't have to go find the biggest, baddest dude in prison on day one and go kick his ass. I was really lucky. As I never had to find that guy at all, because I, and I'm not trying to brag here, but most people in jail aren't that smart. Um, I was probably the smartest guy in the jail, mm-hmm. at least in our area. And so they all wanted me to either teach them stuff or read their letters or write their letters or do that. So I was the one that they all came to for help, luckily, immediately. And so I think I was pretty much in that sense just protected because nobody ever wanted that guy to get hurt. You were the designated jail literate. There you go. And there are many. <laughs> yeah, when the when the uh, library cart came around, there wasn't like a, a line of people jumping to get to those books. Let's put it that way. So what was the hardest part about jail then other than spending a year and six months 
in one place. I'm just honestly putting up with the absolute ignorance of the entire situation. It yeah. is, it is one of the. I'm not trying to say people shouldn't be put in jail. I'm not trying to say that criminals are good or anything else. But the jail system itself is utterly ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It is, it is just such a waste of time and money. I when I was told even back then, this was 40 years ago, that. It was costing like $240 a day to keep me there. And I'm thinking at that point in time, I mean, if you made $100 a day outside of jail, you were doing really well. Well, $240 a day, what a waste of taxpayers' money. And I understand I was a drunk, but what a waste of money to have me in there. Really? You guys are going to pay for me to sit here and learn. So I actually got to write business plans, come up with ideas that's Came up with a lot of ideas for myself in my life and actually turned it around by the day I got out of there, I was ready to go. So that helped, but I didn't get any help from anybody in there. That was my own choice. Most of the guys just waste their time. Well, either that or they go in as, let's say, soft criminals or not criminals at all for things like minor drug offenses, especially back in the 1980s. But they come out a year, two years later, whatever it is, as hardened criminals. They actually know how to be criminals at that point. So the likelihood that they do something much worse has gone up exponentially. More than likely so, yeah. I also did learn how to uh, make really, really, really awful wine um, in the toilet. I already to do this because toilet I... Toilet wine? Yes. Oh, yeah, they do that in jail, not just prison. I was, um, like, I was like, oh, my God, everything on 60 Days In is real. It is. <laughs> I was it astonished is. when they, he said they, that. The guys immediately, astonished. from the time they get in there, they're getting grape juice from the commissary, commissary and... And starting their wine making the fermentation uh, it is the funniest thing in the world because they have to designate out of the eight toilets in the area they have to designate one that nobody will use so everybody can make wine and it's i tasted it and it's the most god-awful thing in the history of the world and i think why would you guys even drink this what just drink the grape juice was that you're like inspiration to go sober was that wine well, the inspiration to go sober is when they said you're going to jail for four years oh, yeah. that okay. was that was pretty much well you much still enough. drank the wine might yeah, I say I tried it and it was God, I did it's like look, when I tried it's like when I tried my wife's breast milk I'm like I don't want to drink this regularly but I gotta know gotta know gotta know what it tastes like and <laughs> I, I could t- and uh, like cigarette I've, I've dipped uh, tobacco you know uh, smokeless tobacco since I was 14. So when you get thrown, you have nicotine fits really bad, obviously, after a little oh, while. Yeah. So I did learn that you could use, the one thing I learned about the wine is that you could soak cigarettes in it and then dip them because they would be moist enough then because I couldn't, I don't want to smoke. I never wanted to smoke anything. So, but I would, cig- and cigarettes are so dry and it's so gross, but at least if you have the grape flavor involved in it and stuff, at least it was tolerable. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was it was a total waste of a year and a half other than the fact that I got to sober up. Yeah. For that reason, it's the opposite of right. a waste yeah. of a year and a half. Right. It was a year and a half of you really getting to think how you wanted to change your path going forward. So for the out. majority of guys there that I met, I can say it was a total waste of time. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause most of them did nothing. They had, no- and I also did, I mean, I was a true blue um, balloon belly balloon drunk i mean just fat mm. loser at that point mm-hmm. because i'd given up on pretty much everything because alcohol was the only thing that mattered and so when i got in there you know not drinking everything so that's when i started working out bodybuilding a little bit and getting in shape and doing all that stuff so that helped too and so i, I imagine that's that's assisted me over life actually making it through some of the so, tough times so jail was your rehab Jail was rehab. It, yeah. it worked. Jail, you if you choose it, it to be, worked like that. For if yeah. you choose it to be rehab, it can be. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it that. I 
Well, we, you facilitated the rehab. Right. You just needed a space. I don't. To do I that. don't think it's the greatest thing in the history of the world, and I certainly don't wish it upon anybody. I hope nobody does stupid stuff and ends up there. But you know, we all do stupid stuff, and sometimes you end up there. That's so interesting to hear that alcohol had that much control over you because you're a guy who's really in control of himself and the things around him too. So to have that one substance that overtook your ability to lead a, a self-respecting life. Oh, it's no, crazy. None, nothing was important, but that hmm. at that point, in fact, um, there's a band, you guys, if, if anybody out there wants to hear a really good band, you can find them on Spotify. They're called the Loco Gringos. Unfortunately, Tom, the lead singer, he went by Pepe. Um, Passed away years ago from alcohol poisoning. I was like, why is that unfortunate that he went by Pepe? No, he died of alcohol yeah, poisoning. And, okay. uh, but, so they did put out one album of which uh, three songs were also written partially by me when we would do the drunk writing at night because they were the only band that ever played at my beer joint. And it was a lot of fun. They're really bad songs, but they're fun. And uh, But the, yeah, I mean, the, the time that you spend... Drinking is, I mean, that's the only thing you do. I mean, our, our lives revolved around how many bottles of Mezcal can we get in from, from Mexico so that we can have a Mezcal party so you can get the most worms, something like that. That's so dumb when you look back at it. At the time, that's the only thing that mattered because that's it takes over your life 100%. He is Tom McKay, owner and operator of Audiovisual Consultations. She is Camilla McKay, Tom's daughter and a badass in her own right. Coming up on the other side, Camilla apparently had a run-in with an officer of the law a couple nights ago. We're going to talk about that next. It's the Night Talker with Trey Ellings. It's the Night Talker with Trey Ellings. Back here on a casual Friday of the Night Talker with Tom McKay and Camilla McKay. Tom, of course, is owner and operator of Audiovisual Consultations. If you have any home theater needs, go to the website first, avconsultations.com, to see everything that they can do for you, and then give Tom a call, 512-255-8678. We just talked about Tom spending a good 18 months in Lusteret in Dallas. That is a prison. He was there because he was a drunk. Got That's a jail. Fit- not a prison. DWI. Is there a difference? Yeah, there is. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. It was a jail, yes. not a prison. Spent a year and a half there after DWI number five. Judge gives him the option, go into the military or go to jail. I think he chose right. Got his life cleaned up after that. Uh, a short time later, starts audiovisual consultations, and here we are. Camilla, you have a squeaky clean record in spite of your dad's insistence. No, you don't have a squeaky clean record? Well, like, does a speeding ticket count? Oh, come on. Oh, just kidding. Do speeding tickets count? No, squeaky no, clean. Lord. Just kidding, then. It's squeaky clean. Have you heard these conversations yeah, these last right, few weeks? Yeah, you're right. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know what I was thinking. The bitter old dads on the road? Yeah, no, a, a speeding ticket does not count unless you end up in jail as a result. I heard of something happened last not. night at the concert she went to, though. Guys, yes. it was crazy. So, me and my friend were on 5th Street. And we were just driving down Fifth Street, looking at all the parking garages to find the cheapest one because parking in Austin is brutal, yeah. right? And so we start pulling into this parking garage and the gate hadn't gone up yet. And all of a sudden this cop with his lights on just pulls right up against the car. And it goes, he goes, please stop the car. And he just stopped the car immediately. And we're like, okay. So like my friend stops her car and she's like, 
Yes. <laughs> and we, and she, my friend has a squeaky clean record. Like, is the safest driver in the entire world. That's She offered to drive, and I said, absolutely, because I know that you can get around Austin better than I can. Mm-hmm. And so he pulls us over, and he's like, get out of the car. So he makes her get out of the car, and he's like, come on over with me. He put her in the passenger seat of his cop car, and, like, after she gave what? him her license, yeah, he says, please get out of the car. And, like, well, so, okay, sorry. So he came up, and he goes, you know you ran a bunch of red lights right next to me, right? And we were like, what? And it was because her, so Anna, so she's, my friend is super, super tall okay. and her visor was down. So the with the height of the lights, <laughs> she literally, her eyesight cut off. So she didn't know that there were lights there oh, and goodness. I wasn't paying attention. So we literally like ran a red light, but he had her get out of the car and get in his car. So I was just sitting in the passenger seat of her car like in the middle of downtown Austin, just waiting and I couldn't see them. And so she said that he was just in there and she was kind of stuttering because she was just anxious. Like she was like, I genuinely just didn't see it. Like, I'm, I'm really sorry. Like my record is fine. Like I promise that was just an honest yeah. mistake. And the cop, every time she would stutter, the cop would go, he go, it's okay. It's okay. Don't cry. It's okay. Like he was like yelling at her oh to like be okay. And so she got back in the car and she's like, I that had the weirdest interaction and he sent her off with a warning actually because he looked up her record and he was like, you're literally squeaky clean. So there's no reason. I'm glad to hear that he did the right thing. Yeah, but it was really weird and really scary. And uh, we still got to the concert on time. So it was fine. And who was the concert with? Leanna Firestone. We heard about a couple weeks ago. Was it as good as advertised? It was beautiful. It was amazing. She's such a little comedian, but she's so emotional and like, She's just honest. She's very truthful. So she has a good stage presence in terms of uh, her chatter with the crowd in yes, between songs. Yes, and during songs. Like, she jams to her own music, which, mm. like, invites the audience to, like, move, you know? So it's not just a bunch of nodding heads in the crowd, you know? Because that's always so lame to me. <laughs> but um, And it was at Antone's. It was. It was oh. at Antone's nightclub. It was my first time there. Okay, really cool place. I'm glad you mentioned that because I was about to mention this band to both of y'all because I know y'all like good music, and this is another... A female lead singer-driven band that Mm -hmm. my wife and I have been to Antone's twice in the last year, and both times it was to see this band. Have y'all listened to the Heartless Bastards before? Yes. Love the Heartless Bastards. I haven't. They put on a hell of a show, too, and the lead singer, not as much of a comedian necessarily, Mm -hmm. but she still has great stage Interaction, yeah, yeah. Good interaction, and she jams along with the music that her band is playing, too. It's a hell of a show if you ever get the opportunity. And when she told me she was going to Antone's, I was just like, that was so many memories, because that was where the Scabs used to play every Wednesday night. Uh, Bob Schneider's Different Antone's, though. The one down on 5th Street. No, that's when they moved to 5th Street. When they moved it over yeah. to the new location. And okay. Bob Schneider used to come in, you know, with the scabs mm-hmm. and Tarantula and all the great songs that they had. Because he, so he did it at the old location, yeah. too. Well, okay. he's been around forever. I mean, yes. <laughs> but it was it was funny because that was, used to be every every time that they'd be playing would be the nights, uh, you know, I was already sobered up. But uh, I, was, I was with Cecilia at the time. We weren't married yet, but she would have friends in town or whatever, friends that she wanted to go out with. So I would be the designated driver. So I would drive them down to 6th Street or whatever so they could go dancing because I'm not a dancer. And at all, wow, am really? I awful? No, I'm terrible. I, I get laughed at even by this one. No, he's uh, a great dancer. Yeah, okay. I love dancing with my dad. But it was a, uh, <laughs> so I would drop them off to go dancing on 6th Street and I'd go over and watch the scabs at Antone's. And it was awesome because it was like concert by myself every yeah. time and get yeah. to be there with watching the scabs and the and the. Uh, I can't remember what the horn section was called. Uh, it wasn't the horny horns, something like that. Though. Was that the horn section with Ephraim Owens? Yes. Just the charge. Oh, that good. was such a good. So tight. So yeah. tight. 
she sent a picture last night. It from looks the, the concert, exact same as when you were and there. It was, it was like where I used to stand is where she was standing. Yeah, that's an interesting venue because obviously it, it is a reverse bottleneck where you're, you're going through a narrow area where the bar is, but then it opens up and you're like, God, this is kind of a weird venue. But when it opens up, you're like, okay, this makes sense now. Like there is a good room full of people here on crowded nights. It's one of the few places in Austin that you, and me personally, I hope just never goes away, at least by name. Somebody has to keep it going forever because Anton's so much, so much history all the way back to, I saw Steve Ray Vaughn there yeah. in the old Anton's. Mm-hmm. And I mean, somebody, Damn, back in the 1980s, oh, huh? Yeah. Well, Stevie was so good. And uh, just, I mean, used to, I used to go to band, go to concerts, not concerts, but local bands a lot, Sixth Street and stuff and just check everybody out because i go by myself all the time because mm-hmm. such a loner loser that i would be just you know i'm gonna go down and listen to bands and people well i want to go with you i don't want you coming with me <laughs> I, I just want to enjoy myself mm-hmm. you know and if something happens along the way great but that's about well speaking of taking the baton and making sure a place like that never completely dies i'm pretty sure it was jimmy vaughn and gary clark jr who have a major hand in the current iteration of antones and gary used to play with Jimmy and plenty of other people at the old Antones back in the day. So there's obviously sentimental value for him too, but they've done a great job of relocating it someplace. It's still downtown, so still accessible to people in this city, but also tourists are coming in and staying downtown too, and they do a phenomenal job of booking it. Yeah. Just like the old place. It's pretty amazing how many how many acts they can get because it's a small venue, so it's neat to see that they can still get some really, really top acts coming down in there. Okay, Camilla, we need to talk about this. This is an idea that your dad had. He and I spoke, I guess this is airing on Friday night. So we spoke a couple of days ago about uh-huh. things that we could talk about yeah. as we record on this Thursday night for a casual Friday show. And he mentioned to me that uh, you having to go through the scene as a, at the expense of sounding like an old creep here, as a young, pretty, smart, <laughs> funny, Thanks. critical thinker. yeah. In a sea of beta males, that yeah. is the spineless dudes who spend way too much time <laughs> playing video games in mom and dad's basement yeah. and getting intimate with tube socks <laughs> rather than trying to go out to meet uh, young ladies like yourself. So what is that process like? Um, for me right now, it's quite non-existent. Um, I feel like in Texas, oh my gosh, okay, let me, I know how to start this. So Love Island, the reality show. Love Island, oh USA. Okay. Aired last night. Premiere, watch it on Peacock, everyone. I'm a romance reality girl. And so Love Island, USA premiered. And three of the female contestants in the opening episode are from Texas. And all three of them said that they were on Love Island because Texas has no available men. They were like, Texas really? is dry. They said Texas has no men. All three of the women, these are like tw- in their 20s, like looking for love, established in their careers. Where women. in Texas? One was East Texas, one was Fort Worth, one was, I don't know what the other one was. East Texas and Fort Worth. It's a good single city, isn't it? I disagree. All the couples are moving into all the apartments in the domain right right now. There's a reason why our great friend Brad Kellner is so successful in the dating world. (laughs) He's one of the few non-beta males left. True. No, that's the thing is that the ones that aren't beta males know that they're few and far between. So then they get, like, take advantage of it. You're like, well, I don't want to... Be with someone that like knows how wanted they are because that's just narcissistic. So it's like, nah. But then that leaves absolutely nobody. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, the numbers bear it out too. Like they've done studies with not just your generation, the older generation also. And it's like more 
single young people who want to be sexually active but are not. Yeah. It's like it's an insane percentage. It's like more than half of the the single available population of dudes. Yeah. And girls it's a slightly lower number but it's still too high and the problem is just like what you said. It's yeah. like they're they're all fighting for the same Playboy, the same yeah, Don exactly. Juan. Well, and and I, some I, of them, that's that's not necessarily their style. Yeah, and I think it all, honestly, like, I know it's kind of cringy to say, but it all goes back to social media, like, because, you know, you don't have to be upfront and, like, confident in person anymore, I guess. But, like, being a girl, it comes with, like, that double standard of I have to show that, like, I can be wanted. And then, like, the, like, whereas when that in-person contact isn't happening anymore, how do you do that? It's by through social media. So then that's just basically giving men the opportunity to be like scrolling along and seeing everything as an option instead of like, oh, I feel a pull to this person in real life. Let me go like interact with them and see what they're like. No, now they're just scrolling and they have option after option after option. And you can DM them and say all the same thing. And then you know how they feel about you based on how likely they are to like flirt back or whatever. Like everything is just so transactional and like pre- I don't know. I don't know. You're it's talking just, about the dating apps now because you just said social honestly, media. Honestly, no. I'm talking about like all apps like Instagram. Wow. or Like I, I love noticing the difference in like the boys that are my age versus the girls that are my age. Their Instagram posts. Mm. Like the girls over summer are posting all of their like bikini pics at whatever vacation spot they're on. The guys are posting like, look at this fish that I caught. It was super big. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like who's, you know, like there's totally like a double standard going on on social media that just no one's talking about. And I feel like, yes, a lot of women are like, I want to use my platform for this. Like, this is my choice. I agree. Some people do that, but I feel like a lot of people feel like they have to do that. And that's the problem. All right. We're going to stick a pin in this conversation. I want to hear Tom's thoughts on things. (laughs) We're up on a commercial break coming up. One more segment on a casual Friday here on the night talker with Tom and Camilla McKay. It's the night talker with Trey Elling. It's the Night Talker with Trey Elling. Final segment of a casual Friday here on the Night Talker. I'm hanging out once again with Tom McKay of Audiovisual Consultations and his daughter Camilla. Camilla was just talking about what it's like to be a good-looking, smart, funny 19-year-old girl trying to date in this world of beta males. And Tom, I did want to get your thoughts on what she just had to say. So what would you like to share based on your daughter's I couldn't agree with what she was saying any more than I've been saying it for years. And um, not sure if this is a bleeper or not, but uh, the the pussification of America has, I've been talking about it for probably 20 years now. And it just astounds me how you watch these, the boys and primarily the video game. I mean, they're all into video. No, I shouldn't say all the boys that are all into video games. Oh yeah. And that's, I mean, that's like their whole world and they just sit there and they dweeb out in front of the TV and they watch video and they play video games all day long and they, they have no social interaction. And then they, I don't even know if they want to date. So the, the, the pool for the females is probably pretty small. I've had, there was one, kid who uh, I believe without question was straight that was in theater with her who I got along with quite well he was a good kid his dad was a friend of mine and I always told him I said I won't say his name don't worry about it but I I always told him is dude I'd stay in theater as long as you can because you got the pick of the litter you you are the only straight guy in this entire field it's like being a straight male nurse 
Just, yeah, I mean. No, you, in theater, it's such a big deal. No matter where you are, if you're a straight male in theater, you're, you have the pick in. Which is horrible that, to say as a attention. female, but like. Well, they're yeah. objectified. Yeah, exactly. But, and, and the objective, ob- objectification goes both ways, in my opinion, in that sense. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I see it as, yeah. and, I, and I've actually pointed it out to her, like uh, a lawyer, a female lawyer on Facebook who will, like every picture that is a selfie, which I've never quite gotten the whole idea of why everybody has to do so many selfies, but the uh, they're always from above looking down at the cleavage. And what are you trying to have us look at? Can I say something? Yes, of course. Because you take, <laughs> well, no, no, I just like this example. I love like what you just said, because it's like a perfect example of if like the woman had posted that selfie that you just described and under it put like, just completed my first like, exam or whatever like got a 100 everyone oh like the message congratulates congratulates post just a right re- po- post a picture of the exam even like just like the 100 percent same caption what are the odds that as many people would have liked or commented on that if she hadn't like given them something to stop them from scrolling because that's the thing everyone just wants something to like stop them to notice and sorry but like women know that that's what men notice because that's all they say when anyone walks by in a short dress or shows any cleavage. So, duh, we know like that's what men are looking at. So it's like if see, you what's funny is I see them though, and those to. are the ones I scroll. I've, I've pointed out to you sometimes. Yeah, like look at this idiot, and I want to look at the meme that has either a joke about something or is just words. But and, the fact that you have, but to- I'm also married for twenty three years. Ooh, I almost messed that one up. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, the fact that you have to point it out though just shows that like it's something that still. Yeah, oh no, it's it's very impact, much out there. Unfortunately. And I, I kind of feel I I feel more for the female side of it cuz the the dudes are just it's like they've just given up. Yeah. And it's really sad <laughs> to me as somebody who self-proclaimed at least is a dude. Um and I've always kind of prided myself on being a I a, a dude, you know, just a man. And nothing more, nothing less necessarily. So it it's sad when I see these kids who just like you just want to knock them upside the head and go, man up, come on. Yeah, there's several different things at play, in my opinion. One is, in a lot of cases, this hyper addiction to screens. It starts when they're kids, and I am so concerned about future generations because <laughs> this problem is only going to get worse. And like, there's a trickle down effect from constantly needing the stimulation that comes with screens because Mm -hmm. then you are incapable of being present. You have a hard time thinking on your feet or thinking critically. And obviously if you're staring at a screen 24 seven, you're also not interacting with other people in the real world. And so when those situations do arise and you find yourself attracted to somebody, you are just going to wither in fear because you have no idea what you're doing. You wouldn't be able to have a conversation if there wasn't the pressure of trying to court or impress that other person in a way where they might say yes to you for a date. No, and it happens like it happens in my friend group all the time. Like we'll be out and I'll be like, or like one of my friends will be like, that guy's really cute. And we're like, go, like, go, like, go up to them, like, go up yeah. to them, say something. And we're like, no, like, can you imagine? Like, ah, oh, like that's so embarrassing. Like, what if they say no? Like, I wouldn't even dream of it. Let's see if we can get his name and then find his Instagram. Like, that's literally what people think now. And it's like, funny though, is like myself. the generation like- <laughs> is so much that way. We actually on the on the way here, we actually had some time to kill. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and she said, "I know where so and so lives. 
right down the street. My friend lives in this neighborhood. And so okay. I said, I said, let's go, let's go over there and say that because her parents, uh, I almost said their names. That's probably uncool, but uh, they're friends they're of ours. Mm-hmm. And have have even traveled with us and stuff, so it's not like it was just her friend. I wanted to go say hi to them, mm-hmm. yeah. And so we're going over there, and, and she goes, "What are you doing?" I said, "We're going over to their house." And she goes, "Well, you can't just go to somebody's house." And I said, "Yes, you can't. This is how we were raised. You just go. You didn't have a phone to call somebody and say, "Hey, do you want to go hang out?" You just go to their house and go, "Hey, do you want to hang out?" And they say no, and you walk away, or you say hi and you hang out. It's either way, but. These, the the fear of socialization today is so unbelievable. It's really wild. So I see what you're saying, but I also see where she's coming from also because there is a lack of courtesy that can come into play when you're just dropping in unannounced. It's called friendship. You it, drop in unannounced and you say, hi, I'm just in the neighborhood and they and they actually invited us in and we talked for five minutes and we right? came over. Yeah, no. We, was it was, awkward? No, like it... I don't know. Like, it wasn't for me and the wife, I don't think at all. Okay. Unfortunately, the husband wasn't home yet. He wasn't still at work. And I, I, that's who I actually wanted to talk to. But, yeah, you know, it's cool. It's all good. And, no, they, you know, we got to shoot the breeze for five minutes. And then you move on. Everybody had to go do their thing. It's cool. Like it was you got chill. to say hello. It was hello. like a funny thing that happened. So much better than a phone call or a text or anything else, in my opinion, always. Well, it forced her to get over a fear. So if nothing else, she can check that box off from that situation. I mean, I was cool with it. I just didn't want to be like interrupting anything. I was like, oh, yeah. I hope you guys aren't See, eating. And I'd rather interrupt everything. Because you're a drama queen. Because I am the most important thing that there is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, every, every, I'm kidding. Every night I practice my affirmations and I always say, I am the most important thing there is. <laughs> Everyone wants me in their home. <laughs> like that's literally what I say to myself. Just kidding. It's not. <laughs> I actually try to send her stuff about that. Even whenever I send her little affirmations or whatever uh, to her during the day, it'll be like, th- there's nothing more important in the world than yourself. You know, that kind of thing. You're the most important thing you'll have in your life. Which is true. And yeah. if people could grasp that concept, I think they might actually come out uh, their whole being hidden away thing and just realize it doesn't matter whether or not you're important or you're liked or anything. Just be recognized. Everyone and looks for external validation now. And if you are recognized, Back you're to recognized. The dressing in a manner where you exactly. feel like you're attractive. There's a level that's that's acceptable. It's back to the old Chris Rock joke about uh, Clarence Thomas and uh, the woman who accused him of sexual harassment when he was being uh, when he was being uh, okayed as a Supreme Court judge. Mm. And the Chris Rock joke is, if Clarence Thomas was Denzel Washington, we never would have heard about this, right? So there's mm-hmm. a certain amount of attention mm-hmm. where it feels good, but then it goes uh, well beyond that when guys start turning into complete dogs with the mm-hmm. situation, and it only becomes about how you look versus anything that's coming out of your mouth. You no, know, I had this realization the other day around my mom, and my mom was like, I don't know if we have time for this, but I, I had this realization around my mom and she was like, I'm so sorry you felt that way. Like while you were yelling, like I had no idea. And I was like, no, this is just something that I re- realized. Like I didn't know that it was happening for me at the time either. But when I was in like middle school, elementary school and we had like school uniforms, mm-hmm. I always wore pants. Like I was like, I will not wear that skirt. I will not. And I recently was thinking about it and I know why now. Why? And it's because whenever I would like look at the skirt or like put on a skirt, I'd go, no, I'm not as pretty as the other girls in this. Like, mm. if I'm not looking the prettiest, then I probably just shouldn't wear it because why would I want to look uglier? Why would I want to look fatter than everyone else? Like, that's unacceptable. So I wore pants. 
because and I what's didn't funny feel pretty is the enough. school changed the rule and girls were allowed to wear pants from that time on. But the fact mm. that's not the point though. Like the fact is that like like there is such that standard of like I have to look the best, like nothing else. I was at school and the most important thing to me was how I looked. Like I was in a place where I was supposed to be learning. Like I could have been the smartest, I could have been the fastest in gym, like I could have been anything else, and I just wanted to be like the prettiest. Like what what kind of like the fact that I was thinking that in third grade, first grade. That's crazy to me that that was already ingrained in me. Ego is such a fascinating concept because you want to have enough confidence that you are carrying yourself as such because you need confidence to accomplish things, but too much confidence and you become me to an inflated ego. And then you become Tom McKay and you spend a year and a half in jail after drinking too much. No, you're a, you're a great dude. I love you, Tom. And uh, Camilla, this has been an absolute pleasure. We're going to do this at least one more time. Woo! Before you uh, go back to school in Boston, you're not going back for another month plus. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to do this again next week and then the week after at the very least. Because, Tom, after we record next week is when y'all are going to Los Angeles. Oh, the wife and I are going. The kid's actually working still. You're not going to Los Angeles. I'm a working girl. Congratulations on that one. <laughs> Thank you. Thank She's you. lucky. Yeah, she doesn't have to go. Avoiding that insanity. but uh, <laughs> So we'll talk one more time. We'll preview the trip and what you hope uh-huh. to do in Los Angeles other than attend some baseball games. I know that's usually on the agenda. Anything else that you have going on and areas that you may be staying away from? <laughs> in a week. That's, that's a lot of places. <laughs> that's a lot of Southern California. That's right. Uh, but in the meantime, thank you all so much for uh, hanging out tonight. And I look forward to doing it again next week. Thank Pleasure. You. Have a great night. He is Tom McKay. She is Camilla McKay. Make sure to check out audiovisual consultations, uh, avconsultations.com, 512-255-8678. You have been listening to the Night Talker. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back on Monday at 10. In the meantime, have yourselves a great weekend and sweet dreams. It's the Night Talker with Trey Ellings.